This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to get into the latest news and dip into the mailbag. This will be part one because it's such a huge mailbag. We got such an overwhelming response that we are actually going to break this up into three parts. That's how overwhelming the response was. So that means that you're going to get three episodes in a row. That feature... A very big deal because on the line with me, as always, is the man who is the owner, the operator, the publisher, the lead reporter, the whole shebang for JetsInsider.com. And as I said, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Uh, you know, just emerging uh, from my rabbit hole of uh, watching film and somehow I got sucked into a a, a, a rabbit hole that had led me to uh watching a bunch of michael vick highlights this early this morning i was telling you about so you know once i get stuck in in the rabbit hole watching film it, it who knows where i will end up my add takes control of me and i go further and further down the hole until i'm like almost 20 years in the past you start off with nick bosa and then you wind up at the very end watching old bud light commercials that's how this usually plays out yeah, exactly. Don't ask me how I end up there, but I, somehow that's where I'm going to end up. Well, we've got a rabbit hole of mailbag questions to get into in just a bit, but before that, let's touch on the latest news. We'll start with Darren Lee Manish Mehta of the Daily News reporting that there's significant interest around the league in trading for Lee. I wonder if this is legitimate as far as, oh, there are teams calling and they really want them and they're offering decent deals, or if this is kind of like what we were hearing with Justin Houston, there are a lot of teams that are legitimately interested, and then he ends up getting cut because whatever the legitimate interest was, it was probably along the lines of, well, we'll give you a conditional seventh rounder or something like that. I suspect that it's going to be more along the lines of what we've been talking about, a fifth or a sixth or a pick flip, if anything. And we're going to get into Darren Lee a lot more in the mailbag because we had a lot of questions about him. But that's where I stand with that. I'm sure there are teams calling to inquire, but I don't know if those offers have much in the way of quality behind them. Yeah, I, I'm still, you know, they're definitely shopping them. They're definitely looking for them uh, to, to get something in return there. It's, it definitely seems and feels like Greg Williams is like, yeah, I have no use for this guy. Get us something in return for him. Uh, but I still don't think, I think anyone holding out hope for, you know, a third round pick is, is going to be disappointed. I think it's still a fifth probably at best. And I, I could also see them doing, you know, a player swap, just like, you know, maybe for some random cornerback or something like they could, I could do something like that because I don't see them cutting them. It doesn't make sense to cut, just cut them now. Um, but they're definitely looking to get rid of him. They don't. They, Greg Williams doesn't have a use for him, and it's hard to really argue that that he should have much of one too. So you know, again, we'll back to if you're not going to get anything of value, might as well keep him around. But it doesn't feel like Greg Williams is thinking that way. Chris, last time we spoke, we said that Trevor Simeon had signed a one-year deal to be the backup for Sam Darnold for the 2019 season, and now we know that part of the reason that he came aboard is because he got a phone call from Peyton Manning. We're about five minutes away from Peyton Manning becoming the football czar of this team, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, he's basically running this team at this point. I mean, I, I'm not sure when that happened. Uh, like, I guess he doesn't need the money. Maybe he's volunteering to do it for free. Uh, but, you know, he's got the Adam Gase hired here. Now he's bringing in Trevor Simeon. Uh, yeah, it's there's, 
He's doing a lot for the Jets. It's, it's weird, but, uh, you know, it's Peyton Manning, so people listen to him. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I got to give credit to Joe Bagonis, who had a really funny response when we were talking about this on Twitter. He said, how soon after next season do we hear rumors of Peyton Manning in line to become Jets football czar, followed by a Rich Simini headline, Jets land their franchise QB, dot, 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 24 years later, the team that potentially lost out on Manning because Barcells wouldn't, dot, dot, dot. It really is the perfect storm because A, that is something that it seems like we're heading towards. Like if McCagnan struggles, either he stays and Manning comes in in that John Elway role or Gase and Manning do some sort of power play and edge McCagnan out. And Chris, you know him personally, so you know this is true. Rich absolutely has that article saved on his computer somewhere. Yeah, that, that's a Rich Samini article uh, all the way. I mean, he doesn't even... Have- he didn't even have to write it. It just it's already there on his computer. Like he bought the computer and that article is there. Like he it, it's just it's that natural for him. And uh and that is that is an absolute perfect Rich Samini impression. And if if something like that happens, he will absolutely write that article and I will absolutely laugh and it will be great. I think Rich may end up writing an article comparing Greg Schiano to Bill Belichick as well because yes. Greg Schiano pulled the Bill Belichick, decides to resign from the Patriots as defensive coordinator before even assuming the role. Shades of what Bill Belichick did in 2000 when he resigned as HC of the NYJ on a napkin. Not sure exactly what Schiano's move is here. I wonder if perhaps he got a head coaching offer in the college ranks, and so that's where he's going. We're going to find out soon, I suspect. But this is kind of poetic justice. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't expect this to have anywhere near the level of impact that Belichick leaving and going to the Patriots ended up having. I think that the Patriots could probably hire me to be the defensive coordinator at this point and be just fine. They got by with Matt Patricia and won some championships, so I don't think it's going to be any kind of real problem for them down in Foxborough. However, this is kind of amusing, and it really does show you that sometimes there's no honor among thieves, right? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe Shiano uh, was scared of Michael Bennett and, uh, and, and <laughs> things that he said in the past. It was like, oh, wait, I didn't know you guys were going to trade for Michael Bennett. I got to get up out of here. <laughs> um, 
it's this is a weird situation, but let's be honest. Uh, pretty much every situation Shiano has found himself in in the last handful of years is a weird situation, um, and that's not even necessarily to his fault. But uh, I thought it was a weird hire, even knowing the relationship him him and Belichick have. It uh, I still thought it was a weird hire, and you know this is the thing with the Patriots though, because if you look, if any other team was doing what the Patriots are doing right now and and losing Gronk to retirement, uh, you know, just lost a a defensive coordinator for the second year in a row. And now they got bring him in and he's gone already. People would be like, man, this dysfunction is going to kill this team and drive them nuts. And not a single one of us is sitting here thinking, oh, man, the Patriots are really going to struggle next year. As dysfunctional as it all looks and seems, we all know that they're going to figure something out. Belichick will hire somebody else and that person will end up being a better choice than Shiano was in the first place. It's probably a the best thing that could actually happen for Belichick. Patriots will be fine as long as they find somebody that knows how to scheme to stop the one and only Deontay Burnett because Deontay Burnett will be back with the Jets in 2019. We saw some flashes from him toward the end of the season. We know that he has chemistry with Sam Darnold from their days at USC. He comes back on an exclusive rights tender. Also Jeremy Clark and Davis Webb as well. Nothing much to this as Daryl Slater has joked many times. These exclusive rights free agents are not really free agents at all. That just means that the Jets have to make a minimum offer and they have to come back and they can't go elsewhere. But I'm glad to see these three guys back. Haven't seen much out of Clark, but with Webb, maybe he could be a developmental prospect for Adam Gase. And with Burnett, we saw what he started to do at the end of last season. So I think this is good for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, the the best thing about it is that it can't hurt. And, like, you know, (laughs) they're not spending money. And so a lot of money on it. It's not eating up cap space. Um, and you know, there's, there's some things they like there, promise there. Uh, I know some fans, you know, this happens every, every year with the different players, but some fans are going to get carried away with the little bit that we saw with Deontay Burnett and Darnold. And they're going to think that that means that he's going to be able to just continue and build on that. And just like so many fans out there think that, Oh, Sam start finished the season really strong, so he'll just be able to pick right up and take off starting next year. It doesn't usually work out that way, uh, so like you need to pump the brakes on that stuff. And just because we saw a glimpses here and there of Deontay Burnett doesn't mean that it's going to just take off from there. But it's absolutely worth paying that low price of exclusive rights to get them in and see and, you know, bring them along, see what happens. He is a player I liked in college, too. So that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, we know Davis Webb, what, uh, you know, we don't know what he is, but he's a backup and that's it. So, okay, cool. Um, And then the same thing with Clark especially with the deficiencies that they have at cornerback right there. Go ahead, bring, bring them back. Like you're going to need bodies there. You're going to need the competition in camp. So bring them in for that cheap deal and see what he can do. Those guys stay, but another one goes Isaiah Crowell off to the Raiders, a one year deal to go join John Gruden. We saw the highs and the lows with Isaiah Crowell last year. He had that one massive game where he had over 200 yards and he had his moments, but for the most part, he got stuffed a lot behind the line of scrimmage, kind of a hot and cold running back. Not super sad to see him go. I'm not trying to make it sound like he was some sort of malcontent or a big problem because I actually did think that the butt wiping thing was pretty funny. 
But he's gone now. The Jets move on to Le'Veon Bell. I think everybody's better for it here, and hopefully he succeeds with the Raiders because I have no ill will against him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a you know little bit. It makes sense because they needed somebody there. It doesn't seem at this point that they're going to be bringing Marshawn Lynch back. Uh, you know, they have a bunch of draft picks still. I know they've you know, traded some of them away, so they're not at the top. Draft picks, but I would expect them to look to draft somebody. Isaiah Crowe's, you know, like you just said, he had that one really big game, and everyone was went crazy thinking that oh, it was such a great pick and si- or signing, and then the all the other games he was not good. Uh, he's not going to really be a huge help, but he can be a steady, reliable guy and somebody that he can put in there and then just go with a. Uh, you know, a rookie draft at some point, but you know, for the Jets, the Jets have upgraded. They got Le'Veon Bell, so who really cares where Isaiah Crowell is at this point? Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them. Keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more you are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify Stitcher, TuneIn or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network Last bit of Jets specific news, the uniforms, the hype continues, we're now seeing preview videos featuring Jamal Adams all I can say Chris is they are really building expectations up between this and what Christopher Johnson said the other day at the owners meetings these uniforms better be real good or this fan base is not going to be happy yeah I'm here for it no matter what <laughs> I'm ready as as excited as people like the Twitter legend Paulie Abruzzes is at uh, the prospects of what these can be I'm excited just to see the reaction it's going to be fun and hilarious and you know we'll see what what they are and how everyone reacts to them but I I can't imagine that that there's anything they can do that's going to be get everybody happy. So there's going to be a segment that's going to flip out and be angry at these new jerseys. And I'm just going to laugh and laugh and laugh and I'm going to enjoy it quite a bit. Since you brought it up, Twitter legend Pauly Brzez is going to join me for live reaction as we watch and see the uniforms be unveiled. And we're going to have an open forum for questions. You can tweet them at us so that Pauly can answer them live as he's reacting to the unveiling of the uniforms. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this podcast. It's going to be one of the more entertaining ones that you'll hear anywhere. It's also going to be very entertaining to watch what happens now with pass interference penalties because we saw that the league has changed the rule and it can now be reviewed by officials. This, of course, on the heels of what happened with the Saints and how everybody said they were robbed because of that play against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Chris, on the one hand, I get it. I like the fact that this could be reviewed because obviously referees are susceptible to human error. But on the other hand, these games take a long time to get through as it is, and this is going to slow the game down a lot. And if we keep going down this road where we review every major call, these games are going to be four and a half hours long. Yeah, I, I still think you need to do it. And the, the, the problem that I have is not in the implementation of the rule. It's in trusting the NFL to implement it correctly uh, and efficiently. Because it's just, to me, it's just real simple. Like, what they need to do is they just need to have one person 
that has some common sense and, and uh, can sit there and use critical thinking to look at a play and then immediately got it right. And the, the whole uh, replay process shouldn't take more than like 45 seconds. You don't need to send a, the referee to a monitor to look. Just have one guy with some common sense we can trust to look at it and they can make the decision before anything else has a chance to happen. It should be that easy for the most part. Every once in a while, there will be a play that might take a minute to look at and figure it out. But the problem is I don't know that they'll be able to find that person with the common sense to do that. So they always get in their own ways. Instead of making things as simple as possible, they tend to complicate these matters. So there's all types of things there, but they need to do this because you can't, you can't keep having uh, games like the Saints and the Rams can't have that. So, like, yeah, maybe it'll be, uh, you know, a detriment. It'll be a little too long for a week four game or whatever. But in the playoffs, if a, a, pl a play like that happens at the end of the game, you need to be able to look at it and review it. And it should be simple enough to just be like, okay, if it's questionable, you stick with the call. If it's obvious, then you overturn it. And it that should be really simple. But the NFL trope struggles sometimes with things that should be really simple. The NFL struggles with things that should be really simple, but Cliff Kingsbury does not. He is apparently giving his players cell phone breaks during meetings. I think this makes a lot of sense. you got a younger generation. These kids are addicted to their cell phones. I know that you and I, from time to time, can be addicted to our cell phones, and we're a little older, so it stands to reason that Cliff Kingsbury might do that because you need little breaks. I think it's funny because if he had just said he was giving them breaks, nobody would have an uproar, but it sounds yeah. like the older generation of commentators and sports writers are up in arms that how dare this guy cater to these young millennials with his cell phone breaks. Yeah, I, that's the only issue I have with this, and it's not even an issue, but I would have recommended that he not call it a cell phone break just to avoid all the older people who are sitting there. Oh, he kids can't go. All right, cool. Whatever. Listen, uh, we all, we are all addicted to our phones. We all need breaks from this. That's why I'm taking a Twitter break over the last couple of weeks, because I just, I'm not trying to get sucked into that rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, and my days have been much better these last couple of weeks, not having to do that. Um, but even when I, back over 10, 15 years ago, I was working as an architect and working those 10, 12-hour days, I would get up and walk around every, one, every you know, once an hour for five or 10 minutes. You need breaks. People need breaks. It's good. If you're going to sit down and our attention span collectively has gotten worse over that time, you're going to sit players down and expect to get the most focus and attention out of them for an hour or two. You got to build in breaks. Probably shouldn't have called it a cell phone break, you know, just just a break. But intent and it needs to be. It's something that's good. So, ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. 
the entire thing takes a little bit longer, but you break it up into parts and you're going to get players uh, be able to focus and be more attentive. Uh, it's 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 a good thing. I don't think anybody should be complaining about this, but you know this is the world we live in. Somebody will. And if you're a Jets fan, you should not be complaining that Robert Quinn has been traded. The Dolphins getting rid of him as they continue their tank for Tua. I think this is interesting because he ends up going to Dallas, and this could have ramifications for the Jets in two ways. Number one, they don't have to deal with Robert Quinn anymore two times a year. And number two, there could be something brewing with the Cowboys, and we're going to get into that with the mailbag in a little bit. Chris, on the surface, though, Robert Quinn not going up against the Jets' offensive tackles anymore two times a year is a win no matter how you slice it. Yeah, and look, we already knew Cameron Wake wasn't going to be there, and now Robert Quinn's not there. And that's the thing, you know, Xavier Howard's still a really good corner they got there. But the last few years when the Jets played the Dolphins, there was two there was two people you were worried about. It was Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn. It was that defensive line that you were worried about. And now they're gone. So, again, uh, you know, the Dolphins are going to be a bad team next year. They, you know, they went and signed uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So maybe that sweep of the Dolphins isn't a given anymore because you can expect Fitzpatrick to probably put put up one huge game. Uh, We know that he's going to have a couple of them, but they're not going to have to worry about that defensive line, those pass rushers and that the, Offensive line for the Jets is going to be breathing a huge sigh of relief for those two games. Darnold will be under a whole lot less pressure, so that's great news for the Jets. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Ed Oliver put on a show at his Pro Day in Houston. His 40 time was insane. It was about a 4-7, which for a guy his size is incredible. And then you look at the rest of his drills. It's not really a huge surprise because we knew that his athletic gifts were off the charts. But just to see him do this cements in most people's heads that there's a very strong chance he's going in the top 5 or 10. Yeah, Ed Oliver is interesting to me. I haven't dug into his tape yet. Um, and, you know, I, I probably wouldn't dig into his tape at all. We were talking uh, off air before about uh, Devin White, and uh, I, I'm not going to bother digging into his tape at all. The Jets aren't taking an inside linebacker there, even if they uh, trade back. But for Ed Oliver, I remember watching him a couple of years ago and absolutely fell in love with him. And then it seemed like he would be like a mid-round pick this uh, this year. It seemed like that was where it was going. And so I'm going to dig into some of that tape just out of sheer curiosity. But it does seem like he's going to be – he's picking up some steam to go a little bit higher now. But uh, I would be shocked if he wasn't a top-10 player. Um, I'm definitely going to dig in just, just to see. But he is so good. And I, I'm, it's good to hear him start getting uh, some of that – you know, name recognition again up higher in the draft because he belongs up there. Our man Connor Rogers at Bleacher Report is a huge Ed Oliver guy, and he's going to be on the podcast soon. So we're going to talk plenty Oliver and all the other major prospects. So stay tuned for that. 
One thing you don't have to stay tuned for anymore, though, is where Jordan Howard is going to end up. We knew that the running back from the Chicago Bears was being shopped. It was just a matter of if somebody pony up a draft pick or if he was going to get released. He ends up going to Philly for a sixth-round pick. I think this works out because the Bears were going to release him, and for the Eagles, it was worth giving up that late-round pick to get a running back they could use, especially since if Wentz is healthy. You know that the Eagles will be in the playoff mix and perhaps the championship mix. We know what the deal is with Howard. He's coming up toward the end of his rookie deal where he'll want to be paid, and he's one-dimensional. He's a running back. That's it. He's not a guy that's really going to make a difference in the passing game, so you have to pair him with somebody that can. I think it's a smart move for the Eagles, and for the Bears, it's just a matter of they had to get rid of him because they didn't really have a place for him, and they weren't going to pay him, so it works out for them, too. It's a win-win, really. Yeah, and the most interesting part of this trade to me is the way that the Eagles go about conducting their business because they put such a heavy emphasis on collecting all these compensatory picks. And they, so they're not going to, uh, you know, just go sign somebody. They went out and they traded for Jordan Howard, just like they went, everyone questioned the trading, uh, giving up a third round pick for golden Tate last year. And then they ended up getting a fourth in return because Golden Tate went and signed with the Giants. So now they get the fourth back and it was worth it for them. Um, so that's how they do all this stuff with the comp picks in mind. But he is somebody with that offensive line, the Eagles offensive line. He can definitely carve out a, a niche, a nice role for himself and help that offense. It's, you know, obviously you got to look at what the Bears are going to do now because as much as uh, I like Tariq Cohen, what he can do, he's obviously not somebody you're going to have as your lead back. So where are they going to go? Who, who do they have their eye on in the draft? There's a bunch of good running backs. they got to have their eye on somebody there. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Last two bits of business, Chris, real quickly. Brandon Marshall, not the wide receiver, but the linebacker who played for the Broncos. There was talk that the Jets might be interested if they didn't land somebody like C.J. Mosley, but they did land Mosley, so Marshall goes elsewhere. He signs with the Raiders. That one reported by Josina Anderson of ESPN. And the last thing is Blaine Gabbert, the quarterback who's been around the league and then some. Picked 10th overall a bunch of years ago, but has managed to hang around in backup roles. He ends up going to Tampa Bay to take Ryan Fitzpatrick's spot, and he will back up Jameis Winston. So he goes and unites with our old friend, Todd Bowles. Yeah, I mean, uh, Blaine Gabbert is Blaine Gabbert. He's a backup. All right, cool, fine, whatever. This season is going to be all about what Bruce Arians can get out of uh, Jameis Winston and then seeing where they move from, uh, you know, forward from there. If Gabbert has to come in for any other reason than injury, then it's going to be a problem. And uh, for the for the Bucks that they're going to have to figure out and work around. Um, and then, yeah, Brandon Marshall going, uh, okay, that's fine, whatever. He, he used to be a really good player. He's he's not what he used to be. And, uh, the, you know, obviously the Jets getting C.J. Mosley had no use for him now. But going into Oakland, Gruden, it, it that seems like a, a good fit for – Everything, but also in a sense that it doesn't really not much upside to it. So I don't know, but you know, nothing to get too excited to write home about on for any of the parties involved there. Funniest thing I remember with him in recent memory was a couple of years ago when the other Brandon Marshall, the receiver, was on the Giants and he dropped a pass 
during Monday Night Football, some angry fan tweeted at the wrong Brandon Marshall, the one who's a linebacker for the Broncos, about how he stinks and this and that. And he tweeted back, oh, yeah, buddy, meet me in the parking lot, which made me laugh quite a bit because obviously he wasn't actually there. If it was the real Brandon Marshall, the one that was in the game tweeting that, you'd say, gee, what an immature guy. But him doing that as the guy who was on the receiving end of the wrong Brandon Marshall tweet is pretty funny to me. I thought that was one of those instances where social media can provide levity if it's used in the right way. By the way, breaking news. The other day, Matt Stavlikowski was on live from the owners' meetings in Arizona. He told me that he had not tried In-N-Out Burger yet, but he was going to on this trip. He was going to make his very first voyage to In-N-Out Burger. I just got this text from him. It says... In and out, definitely good, a little overhyped, but still very good. So there you go. Matt Stoplkowski enjoyed In and Out Burger, but like me, he thought that the hype is a little much. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I've never had In and Out, so I don't have anything to add there. Uh, I've never had that. One day I will try it. Uh, I will add to the Brandon Marshall thing that that I I was a fan of him as a player. But when that whole thing happened, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm a fan of you as a person. The way <laughs> you handle that, that was that was excellently well done. And, like, he's all, he's always been a good sport about that because that, that's not the only time that happened to him. It happened to him a bunch of times. And I, I forget the instances, but I remember when they would happen, I would be like, oh, let me time to go look to see what, what this one's going to say because I knew he had some type of joke for it. Moving on to the mailbag now, Chris. Don't forget, you can get these mailbag questions into us at Play Like a Jet One and at C Nimbly or at Jets Insider. So let's start with our buddy Tyson Roush, who is the co-host of Let's Talk Jets and also a writer at TurnOnTheJets.com. He says, "Are Jets fans overestimating Greg Williams' ability to take this defense to the next level?" I'm going to say yes, and here's why. And I think Joe Caparoso hit on this well on Twitter the other day. Greg Williams is an exciting defensive coordinator. He's aggressive, and there are times where he can make a defense better, no question about it, but he still needs talent, and this team is still missing some pieces. There's nobody here that you look at as somebody that can get to the quarterback and really wreak havoc on the opposing team's offensive line, whether that's an interior rusher or somebody on the edge. They don't have that yet. They don't have that shutdown corner. Now, I know shutdown corner is a weird term because in the current NFL, there aren't that many quote-unquote shutdown corners, but just a guy who can be, as Jim Garrity likes to say, a keep them quiet kind of corner. We hope that we see more from Tremaine Johnson this year, but the Jets clearly need an upgrade regardless of what they say about Darrell Roberts. My whole contention here was that this was a two-year project. Whether or not McCagney deserved those two years is another story, but that's the reality of it. There were too many holes to fill for it to all happen in one offseason. So, yes, I think that people sitting out there and saying, oh, that's okay, Greg Williams will make it work. Ah, Greg Williams will make it work. To an extent, if there's a player he likes and you think that he can coach him up, fine, but he's not going to stand here with a magic wand and make this team a great defense just because he's Greg Williams. Yeah, so the question was, the, the so I'm going to focus on the first four words. Are Jets fans overestimating? <laughs> I don't care about anything after that sentence. The answer is yes. Those first four words, and this isn't just Jets fans. All fans do this, too, in all sports. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely, with Greg Williams, they are. And, again, I've been saying this since they hired him or since you know they were talking about hiring him. I, I love the hire based on the available options at the time. 
if I I'm not that doesn't mean that I love the hot air in a vacuum or that I think Greg Williams is you know some uh, guru who is going to be able to just turn this team around regardless of the the pieces that are added. Um, I, it's not that Greg Williams has his faults. I also I happen to like him because he's aggressive. And that's my favorite style of defense. That's how I think you need to be. You're going to give up points in this league. You're going to get beat in this league. The, the Where you want to make the difference is to be aggressive, to try to press the issue, and to try to force some turnovers here and there. You're going to give up those touchdowns, but if you can steal a couple possessions back by creating turnovers, that'll help you in the long run. But, of course, being aggressive like that, especially if you're being aggressive without having all the pieces in place that you need to be aggressive, will backfire on you at times. So fans who are just sitting there thinking, we got Greg Williams, he'll figure it out. And, you know, I've, I've seen a bunch of people talking about, you know, even with, uh, with the Anthony Barr stuff, uh, people were like, well, if, if Greg Williams thinks that Anthony Barr can be a 3-4 outside linebacker, then I'm going to believe it. And I'm like, uh, I pumped my brakes on that. Now, I we, we discussed this. I happen to think that it would be possible, but I, I'm not saying that just because Greg Williams thinks that. Greg Williams has been wrong before. He's going to be wrong again. He could certainly be wrong on Barr. Um, he's, again, he was a good choice for the available options. But I think fans are getting a little carried away what they expect with him. I said the same thing. I'm willing to trust Greg Williams if he thinks that he can do something with a player. And I liked Anthony Barr's UCLA tape. But just because Greg Williams said that he can be a good edge rusher doesn't necessarily in and of itself make it so. Like you said, he's been wrong before. He will be wrong again. And like I said before, too, he is not somebody that has a magic wand that can just magically make this Jets defense great. I think adding Mosley was a nice touch. I think they'll add somebody in the draft that will help. And from there, they'll have to add more pieces. I do think they're on the right track, but there's still a ways to go with that defense before we start saying that it's an elite unit or anything close to that. Next question comes in from Steve Ballou. He asks... There's been some criticism that we've not addressed edge and corner in free agency. There's only so many gaps you can, should fill in one free agency period. What, in your opinion, should the Jets have done differently? I'll answer this first. I think that what you hit on there, Steve, is exactly what I've been saying, which is that it was going to be impossible to fill all of these gaps in one free agency. There were just too many of them. And when you look at who is available at the positions that you mentioned, I'm not so sure what they could have done differently. I like the Anthony Barr move because that was a high upside swing, but they signed Barr and then Barr reneged and went somewhere else. So after that, what do you want to do? Do you want to pay Zadarius Smith $16.5 million, which is what he got? Do you want to pay Preston Smith all that money? These are guys that are mediocre players. To me, those are the moves you do not make in free agency, and I talked about this with Joe Blewett. I'd much rather pay C.J. Mosley, who's an inside linebacker, not an edge rusher, but a much, much better player that money than I would somebody like Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith. As far as corner, there wasn't a lot there either. Bryce Callahan is a slot corner, a good one, but he's hurt a lot. And again, even if you sign him, now you still have your problem out on the boundary. You're also looking at somebody like Ronald Darby, who I like, but he seemed to want to go back to Philly, and he did on a one-year deal. It's not like the market was booming with corners. 
I guess you could say that they could have done a better job with certain depth positions, but overall, I thought that the main thing here that the Jets needed to do in free agency was add key pieces, guys that were going to be here for the run over the next two, three, four years, and I think they added impact pieces. I think C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell were the two best free agents available by far. Jets got them both. They got Jamison Crowder, who I think you could make the case was the best fit for this Gase offense as far as the free agent receiver as a young guy. I think he'll team well with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua. And so, yeah, I mean, you could quibble a little bit, I guess, at center. It would have been nice for them to get Morse, but it sounds like the Bills paid him a ton and the Jets weren't willing to match. And Paradis, we didn't realize it, but a lot of teams had questions about the medical, which is why he only got a glorified one-year deal with Carolina. So I guess my answer is... You could nitpick if you want, but overall, I think they did about the best that they could in the key areas in free agency because there just wasn't a ton to choose from. You could make a case with Justin Houston, I guess, but again, it seemed like he was intent on going somewhere where they were going to be able to win right away. That's the only guy you could really talk about at edge that would have been worth spending on. So that's really where I come down on it. I'm not going to be too hard on them. I think overall, they've had a pretty good free agency period. We'll see what they do following up in the draft. Yeah, you can uh, let's go back to the beginning of Tyson's question uh, or fans overestimating because that's what happens every year at this time. The Jets were they had to do a drastic rebuild. This team had very very little talent, very and even less actual elite talent. They have so many holes to fill that it was going to be impossible to fill them all in one year, let alone just in free agency. But going into it, fans always have these these dreams, especially with all the cap space they had, that somehow they're going to magically be able to find uh, somebody to fill every hole they need. And then you got the fans who are just mad that they just didn't get just some guy at pass rusher. We need a pass rusher, so go just get somebody. No, because then you're overpaying for that somebody, and that's going to hurt you in the long run. It, again, and then part of the problem here was we had all these other, you know, the elite pass rushers were all technically going to be free agents, even though they weren't. We all knew they weren't going to be going anywhere. With now, it seems like there might possibly be an exception to Demarcus Lawrence. Obviously, D. Ford got traded, but all these guys were getting talked about how they might be available the frank clarks all these types of guys well those guys aren't available so once they're not available then it was really justin houston and that's it there there there's a bunch of other people that sure you would take on a reasonable deal but it doesn't make sense to overpay for the darius smith the preston smiths of the world and offense yes you can look at uh you know paradise and morris it could have been a miss there uh that's for sure. And then, again, with the cornerback, same thing. I I like Ronald Darby. I would have questions about paying Ronald Darby uh, a long-term contract, especially after w- what happened with Tremaine Johnson last year. So there wasn't a lot to do there. So they went and they got better and addressed the positions where they could get better and improve, and now they will look to address those, uh, you know, the other positions, pass rush, corner, and center in the draft and free agency next year. Again, this rebuild was never going to be able to happen in just one year. This is going to be a multiple-year process, and fans are going to have to be patient with it and not expect it all in one offseason. 
There's two things I'll add. Chris, you and I both agreed that the Jets should have gotten in on D Ford. So I guess we could add that, even though that's technically not a free agency issue. And the second thing I'll say is, as I mentioned before, you can make a very strong argument that Mike McCagnan did not deserve the ability to do this quote unquote rebuild because he's had so many chances already. But the reality is, even if you brought in a new guy from the outside, this was not a one year job. This is going to take two years minimum to really get on the right track. This was the first step. And so if you were going to keep Mike McCagnin, you couldn't hold him to some unreasonable standard that you weren't going to hold somebody else to if you had brought him in fresh. If you wanted to make the case to get rid of McCagnin, and many of us have, you could make a very strong case. But if he's going to be here, he's got to be able to do it that way. Otherwise, you're just not going to be able to succeed because we know that there's just no realistic way that you could fill all those holes in one offseason. Next question comes from Ian Bartholomew. He says, the Jets play in New Jersey and they're getting New Jerseys. Coincidence? I think not. I'm with you, Ian. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I think the fact that they're getting New Jerseys and they play in New Jersey, 100% planned. If they'd been in New York, I think they would have stuck with the old jerseys. Yeah, you know, every time I, I have to write in my phone, New Jerseys, it, the autocorrect goes to capitalize the new and the jersey. Every single time. So uh, autocorrect, my phone's in on it. It's definitely a grand worldwide conspiracy that uh, the Jets live in New Jersey, so they have to get New Jersey's. <laughs> this is not the first, and it will not be the last question about Darren Lee that we get, but this one comes in from our friend Twitter legend, Paulie Brzez. He wants to know, as the Darren Lee trade speculation continues and many are focused on draft pick compensation, what are some player-for-player -player deals that would make sense for the Jets and the other team involved? We've talked about the Browns a bit. I think that maybe a swap for either Duke Johnson or Emmanuel Agba might make some sense based on the fact that the Browns seem intent on not using Duke Johnson properly and trying to get him out of town. Emmanuel Agba's on the block, so maybe that's a possibility. There are other guys you could look around at that are talked about being shopped, and maybe you could do a swap with one of those guys. I think the best case scenario is you get a guy that has some upside like Agba and hope that a change of scenery does him well. But I don't think that you're going to be flipping Darren Lee for anything much more than that. If you're lucky, it may even take Lee and a little something else to get somebody like Agba. Yeah, I was number one with Duke Johnson. I think you could uh, uh, Darren Lee for Duke Johnson swap could work if Kareem Hunt wasn't suspended for the first eight weeks of the season. I think the Browns are going to be unlikely to to get rid of Duke Johnson now, unless, unless there's somebody that they have their eye on the draft, but I don't think that they're going to make that move. Uh, it just makes more sense for them to keep him around and then see what happens with Kareem Hunt at the end of the season and then move on. The Agba thing would work, except I can't imagine that the Browns would, would accept a deal for, uh, to give, get rid of Agba just for Darren Lee. If it was Darren Lee plus the draft pick or plus something, then I could see that happen. Uh, the other thing, and this is similar with Agba, I could see something happen with Minnesota uh, with one of the, one of their cornerbacks. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of smoke going on that Minnesota is looking to try to maybe move one of their corners. It doesn't seem like they're really focused on uh, it's got to be this one. There's there's some possibility that any of them could go, but it would again it, they're not going to be able to trade uh, Darren Lee straight up for him. But as some type of package, I could see that happening. 
if, if it's going to be just a straight-up player swap for Darren Lee, which you could absolutely see happening, it's probably going to be somebody who, who's in a similar situation like Darren Lee, who's like, you know, either been a disappointing starter or has been a good backup, but is a borderline starter one way or another. Maybe someone who hasn't used right or the Jets will think can be used differently and improve on. But you're not going to be able to trade a Darren Lee for someone like Emmanuel Agba straight up. That's just, that's, I know the Browns are looking to shop him, but that, I don't think they're willing to take just Darren Lee back in return for someone as good as Agba. Maybe Lee in a draft pick for Trey Waynes could be something that we could see. Who knows? Exactly. We're going to have to stay tuned and see what happens with that. And also what happens with the number three pick. And we've got plenty of questions along these lines. But we'll get to Mark Epstein first. He says, I can't see trading out of the third pick unless we go back no more than three or four spots because we have to get an edge rusher. Not getting one in free agency has tied our hands. Would have loved to have seen them move back and get a bunch of picks. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are pretty much the same as they've always been. If you're going to move back, get a haul. Otherwise, stay at number three. And I also don't subscribe to this must-get-an-edge-rusher-this-year thing. I think that it's something that you can do even next year. You'll have another pick. There will be other possibilities. D. Ford is on a glorified one-year deal, so maybe he shakes free. We'll talk about Demarcus Lawrence in a bit. I'm not one that panics and picks an edge rusher just because, OMG, you need an edge rusher. And we're going to address this more. But that's really my general thoughts on the situation, Chris. Yeah, and I'm, you know, with the exception of quarterbacks, I'm always the best player available guy, especially with a team that is rebuilding and has a lot of holes. If we're talking, if the Jets were a team that we thought were in Super Bowl contention next year and the only thing they were missing was an edge rusher, then yes, go ahead and take that need. The Jets have a lot of needs and they can take a pass rusher this year that'll fill that need, but that's not, you know, it's still not going to get them that close. They have plenty of time to, to fill that need in other ways. And I'm not just taking a, an edge rusher just to take an edge rusher. Not that high. I'm taking the best player. So we agree there. I am more uh, inclined to look at a trade down. I would definitely be more interested in that. Again, I'm, I've been saying this all season. I'm going to stick with it. The main one thing that the Jets need to do uh, this offseason is about is uh, helping Sam Darnold getting talent on that offense for him. So uh, while I think Quinn and Williams is by far the best player in the draft now, I have gone through and dug through his tape. I do think he's the best player in this draft. If he's available at three, the Jets should absolutely consider taking him. If they're stuck there, they should definitely take him. But I'm still looking to try to trade down and to try to get more picks to help build around build the offense around Sam Darnold. Now, I'm not just going to take just whatever offers out there, but I have a feeling that I'd probably be able to get something that I would be comfortable enough with trading down and getting more picks to build around Sam. And that'll wrap up part one of our weekend mailbag. Part two will drop tomorrow. Going to be a fun weekend with all these great questions that we got, including a bunch on the draft, free agency, what the Jets do from here, and of course, the big buzz going on right now with Demarcus Lawrence. So tomorrow is part two. Part three will drop on Sunday. In the meantime, make sure you check out Chris at CNimbly on Twitter. And go to JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. 
That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.